0: I'd been feeling a bit down in my apartment, with its muted drabness, boringly immaculate furnishings, and overall appearance of belonging to someone who wasn't yet quite sure of who they were. So I decided to head down to a thrift shop and pick up a few things, drapery, knickknacks, maybe a whole table or chair, anything to liven up and color the place. Among other things, plates, pillows, frames, and figures, I picked up a coffee table, a really nice one, embossed at the four rounded corners with images of fearsome chambers stoically infulged in flame. The center of the table, which bore an image of a fairy star, was largely free of scratches save for a small, arching scar going from the center. To the tampas rim. The acasa wood structure seemed sturdy enough, and while the store hadn't been told or probably hadn't bothered to ask about the table's history at the time of its donation, they assured me it had been tested and sanitized prior to being placed on the sales floor. For six bucks, I had no complaints and bought it home happily finally having something of note make my apartment seem more like home. Placing it in my living room just before my shaggy two decades old couch I marveled at it seemed how to visually dominate space despite being fairly small compared to the aforementioned sofa and old cumbersome entertainment stand on the opposite side. While polishing the only faintly dusty surface with some orange-scented furniture polish and sneezing madly because of it, I noticed for the first time a drawer in the base of the table, just beneath the rim, which stylistically curved downward. Its edges resembled melting wax, the knob bronze-shaped into the head of a lion was visible between two of these wax-like sheets, and pulling it forward, I found the peculiarly hidden shelf, which slid easily and noiselessly six inches from the table. Apart from a decent amount of dust, there was a piece of paper inside, folded, yellowed by time, and thick like parchment. Taking it out and unfolding it, I found a handwritten letter without a date or signature having only a list of rules and a commandment that they should be followed at all times. The rules were, number 1. Coffee rings, cup stains, and other such markings should be kept to a minimum. Number 2. Should you accumulate nine rings? almost be completely wiped away before a tenth is placed. Number 3. You must not, at any point in time, bring a flame near the table. This more than excessive staining will surely result in the owner of the table succumbing to a terrible fate, and the owner alone. If anything, I initially found the rules innocently cautionary rather than for bodying They were sensible enough considering the obvious age of the table, and while I hadn't any reason to start a fire on or near it, I do drink coffee a lot, and could easily imagine myself carelessly placing mugs throughout the table. Refolding the paper, I placed it back into the drawer, which I then carefully shut and continued polishing the table's surface. Later on, the finishing of the day's task. I called up some friends and invited them over, planning to have a kind of secondary housewarming party. I hadn't bought much at the thrift store, but the apartment had already started feeling more like home with the new additions, and I wanted to share those first new exciting moments with my friends before my wants grew accustomed to the setting. Four came over, and after the intentional theoretical tour of the living room, Where all the purchased items had been set, we settled in on the couch and some chairs my friend's Mike bought from his own place and had coffee, wine, and snacks. Having completely forgotten the notes, cryptality, written warning, I served everyone drinks without coasters, cups, mugs, and wine glasses, soon dotted to the coffee's table, surface. It wasn't until around 9pm at night, the first guest had arrived at 4pm, that I noticed the faint rings sometimes doubled throughout the darker brown surface. A sort of vague unease overcame me, then an odd, unplaceable impression of the wrongness about the arrangement and number of the rings upon the surface. Scanning the faces of my friends, I found them all headless of this weird, personally perceived atmosphere, and tried to banish it from my mind, chalking it up to my nerves. I have, I told myself hurriedly, always suffered from fits of social exhaustion, maybe I'm just getting tired of the company. Rejoining the conversation, I talked and laughed and joked with everyone, all the while cautious of something an almost ominous suggestion of inappropriateness regarding the table's presence treatment. It wasn't until I had gone into the kitchen to refill a glass and return that I saw, painfully, and terribly, the renowned stains on the table, and all unexplainably were glowing with some strange illuminance as if the rings had been buried into the table surface and their depths now solemn with some wood-trapped flame. The worst part of the weird scene was that none of my friends seemed to notice the incredible effect. They talked and laughed with one another, entirely oblivious to the phenomenon just below them. Alyssa, my friend, set her coffee cup down, onto a glowing stain, and her hand even briefly entering the scope of the white light and yet she withdrew it casually ignorantly stunned unsure of how to address the strangeness or even address it at all I approached set on my friend's Megan's cup before her on the table of winning the coffee ring it had left earlier and stood by as casually as my knees loved me everyone continued to talk but after a while, it became apparent that I was uncomfortable, and being perfectly aware of my social limitations, my friends politely excused themselves and departed as a group, thanking me for the invitation and inviting me to their houses and apartments to return the favor. I watched them go, feeling both relief and anxiety, relief at having no longer put on a chariot of calmness when I was... Anything but an anxiety at being alone with the eerily glowing table, which apparently only I could see. Quietly, almost reverently, I cleared the dishes from the table, avoiding the lights as I did so, and as if obeying some unspoken command, retrieved the furniture polish and an old towel from the room's closet. Taking the items to the table, I began polishing the surface. My shirt-wrapped hand moving swiftly as I endeavored devoured to and face every single ring. As I scrubbed, the rings glowed brightly, and I even felt or imagined I felt the emission of the heat up from them. My hand would attack one, wiping furiously, and I'd instinctively move it away after a few moments, a feeling as if I'd drawn my hand over a burner. I must have spent ten minutes polishing the table, and yet not a single ring had been erased despite the time and effort. Standing before the table, breathless and nerve-wracked, I looked incredibly upon the whitely glimmering circles, all of them shone with a sense of sense defiance, each ring a bright, mocking eye, exhausted needing to settle myself down. I went into the kitchen and poured myself a cup of coffee. I had made three pots during the party, and the latest was still halfway full. I took my first few sips in the kitchen, leaning limply on my counter and staring thoughtlessly at the alternating black and white tiles of the floor. When well, my nerves were sufficiently settled, I went back into the living room, coffee in hand, and stood before the table. I walked around the piece of unexplainably lecherous furniture, scrutinizing every aspect while sipping from my mug. Apart from the stubbornly persistent rings, there wasn't anything else notably odd about it. The embossed images and overhanging, waxy rim remained normal. Only the surface, stained with rings, had assumed a prenatural appearance. When my mug was empty, I absentmindedly placed it on the table and only realized the grave fault I'd made when I saw another ring instantly appear beneath the mug. Literally just seconds after the bottom touched them polished wooden fans. The base of my mug was suddenly encircled by a white glow and then the entire thing was encased in a pillar of white light. The other rings underwent a similar change, their lights growing into super lighted pillars that rose nearly to the ceiling. Startled, I leapt away, nearly falling back into the entertainment stand. Conveyed with the emergence of the ten pillars was a sort of low humming and audibly detected vibration coming from within the table. I listened wide-eyed and speechless as the sound increased in intensity until it became a deafening roar of throbbing noise. Bought to my knees by the unendurable sound, I watched as the table then began a monstrous transformation. The four chimmers arose from their corners, gaining form and dimension, becoming small yet invulnerable wooden idols. One moving awkwardly across the now-trembling table, stepping into a shaft of light, and was immediately set aflame. Still it continued to move along, gaining a certainty of movement despite the flames ravaging his body. And the other three followed suit, in a matter of seconds they were all ablaze. And heading towards the now molted edge of the quivering table towards me. Gathered against the entertainment stand, I could only watch helplessly as the first chimera leaped from the table, trailing a plum of black smoke in its wake. Landing upon the carpet, it threw its lion head into the air and let out a beastal roar, and the goat's head upon its back joined, bleeding wickedly. Flaming thickly. Now, the size of a small dog, the chimera wasn't something I was willing to simply kick away. I looked around, but the only objects within reach were blu-ray cases and a game console. The former wouldn't have harmed the creature, despite the dire circumstances, I wasn't willing to use a latter as a blemaging weapon. It had cost me too much to risk destroying. Finishing as unwholesome and dually intend and to cry, the shimmer then sprang towards me, its frontward claws outstretched. I screamed and tried to bat it away, but the talons dug into the flesh of my arm and clung there. Its fire and K's body burned my skin, and the claws, though small, brought stabs of intolerable pain wherever they dug. The miniature beasts' tail, a serpent of the length of my main body, then shot up and sank its teeth into my neck, and my body went completely limp. The fangs were then withdrawn, and the chimera hopped triumphantly off my seared and scratched body. The others who had patiently waited on a carpet by my feet then embarked upon my body in turn, each painfully attacking themselves to my turtle with their claws to allow their serpent tail to sink its fangs into my neck. Each bite was increasingly excruciating, and yet I was powerless to do anything but endure them. When the final beast had finished its agonizing deed, the four chimeras then went back to the table, stepping again, to their shafts of light they lost their coating of flame resuming back to the table as if they hadn't just been on fire their polished wooden appearances with no further acts of violence they returned to their positions in the four corners of the table where they underwent a divulsion of dimension becoming once again those harmless embossed images With my clothing and skin in burnt and bloody tatters, I lost consciousness, sleeping through the night in that room which, even now, still reeks of burnt flesh. The next morning, I woke groggily, feeling with a little diminish of pains in the former night, but remembering only dimly the horrors that had bought them. In the bathroom, I examined myself in the mirror and was appalled, but... Not just the overall state of my superficially shredded and seared flesh, but at my neck where the impossibly eminent scars had bent me. Rather than a columnar series of pinpricks, each snake had bitten below the former's area. There were instead several interlocking rings of inflamed skin, as if... I had been branded by four hot, circular pokers. Astonished, I quickly turned away from my reflection, and after doing what I could with the antibiotic, eminent, and bandages, I returned to my living room to examine the coffee table which I had consciously disregarded upon waking. The table appeared perfectly normal in the morning light, there were no stains of any kind on the surface. No light poured forth from any impossibly luminous rings. Going around the front, I checked to make sure the note with the rules was still inside. Confirming that it was, I then loaded the table into my car, bied it back to the thrift shop, and returned it, citing a clash with the rest of the living room's decor as a reason for my dissatisfaction. As the cashier counted it, with what I now suspect to have been sarcastic care, my measly six dollars, I absentmindedly traces still throbbing rings on my neck through the bandages, and silently wish the next owner of the cursed table the best of luck and the following cryptic rules. Okay, thank you guys for listening to this story for today hope you guys enjoyed it. Huge thanks to the Redditor, you slash guy for this amazingly well-written story. Also, I apologize if I pronounce any words in this story. I'm in quite a rush. Hope you guys understand. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this story, and I'll see you guys in the next one. So, don't forget to sit back, relax, and indulge in fear.